What's up? It's episode 31 of Covering the Bases, the official podcast of USA Baseball. I'm Darren Vaught. Thanks as always for subscribing. That's whether it's through Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube, however you enjoy the podcast. We hope you enjoyed our recent celebration of the Team USA squad that won gold at the 2000 Sydney Olympics. You can go back and find our surprise episode with Ben Sheets that we released on the anniversary of the gold medal game. This time around, I had the pleasure of talking to a USA Baseball alum, as is usually the case, a number one pick, as has sometimes been the case, a Golden Spikes Award winner, also sometimes the case, and a College World Series champion. We've never had it so that all of those apply. This Prospects on Deck edition of the show features one of the top prospects in baseball, Adley Rutschman, who perhaps had his MLB debut delayed by a full season with the way the 2020 campaign had to be restructured to the 60-game format we just recently enjoyed. Assumedly, we'll see him with the Baltimore Orioles next year, but in the meantime, he and I talked just before the end of that regular season about staying ready for the call-up, his sporting family, his collegiate national team experience, and even movies and how we both miss being able to see movies in a theater. Adley is a, a big movie buff. So here he is, Adley Rutschman on episode 31 of Covering the Bases. Hope you enjoy it. Colin, roll the open. Of Coleman Field at the USA Baseball National Training Complex in Cary, North Carolina. This is Covering the Bases with Darren Vault. All right, so let's start with the present. I mean, it's it's a it's been a weird way to start your your pro career, to say the least. A, a brief stint in the minors last year, and you're still in this sort of holding pattern for this season. How much do you miss playing and competing every day? I mean, that that's the that's the part you miss the most is just being able to be in front of fans, be under the lights, you know, getting ready for a game. Um, you know, the the day in day out grind, I think. Um, I mean, it's just it, it, it's tough to recreate that right now during like the you know, the inner squad stuff. Um, so absolutely um, absolutely miss that. Well, what's keeping you motivated on a day-to-day basis, giving, given the lack of that, that true game action? Um, you say, you know, you, you're able to participate in, in inner squad type play. Um, but it's mainly just, it's, it's more practice without playing games than you've probably had in your entire life, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think, I think, you know, definitely the idea that, you know, at any, you know, at any moment or, you know, any point in time, you know, there's a possibility that, you know, the level above this right now is the big leagues and, you know, that there is a chance that, you know, you could get called up at any time. I think definitely keeps guys motivated because you're, 
you know, you're right there. Um, and, uh, I've seen a lot of guys so far, you know, get moved up and down. And, um, so there's, I mean, that definitely keeps guys motivated for sure. And it's, it's cool to see, you know, a guy go from, um, our site right now up to the big leagues and, and do well. And I think that's, you know, it's, that's promising. And especially for some of the guys right now too, you know, um, younger guys, um, you know, playing against this competition right now, I, I think is, is really promising and definitely, um, yeah, I, I think when you're down at like some of the lower levels to start and, um, you know, it can seem like such a daunting task to go from, you know, low A to the big leagues, you know, so many levels, but, um, here it kind of, uh, I guess eliminates, uh, some of that in a sense. And, you know, you're, you're playing against some of the best competition. So, um, it's definitely been good. Yeah. And uh, to your point about sort of the shortened path, um, I, I think you were, were on track to have a relatively short path anyways, but it does stand to reason you seem a bit closer, right? Given the, the nature of this season, you went straight to minor league play after the draft and, and Omaha in 2019. And then um, we'll talk about 2018 too, where it was you meeting the collegiate national team in Charlotte for a game coming straight from Omaha pretty much. So this is the first time in a long time, like your world has, has slowed down a bit. And I know you're, you're approaching every day with intensity still, but without those games, it's just, it's just a, I would imagine a, a little bit more uh, with a long view in mind, or or it could be. Has that changed your approach to your your necessary and continual task of making adjustments to your game? Has it become, I don't know, maybe more comprehensive because it's it's less of a uh, a, a, a game to game situation. Whereas now maybe there are some bigger picture things with a, a slower build that you could work on. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think kind of what you're saying is, is the idea that since we're not playing in games and I'm, you know, I'm batting a thousand this year, no matter what, or, <laughs> you know, I, I, there's no, yeah, there's no live or real game stats that matter. Um, that I can, you know, really take this time to, to work on stuff that I want to. Um, without, you know, I guess having any, uh, consequences of the results, you know, so I can sure, go yeah. with that. Like, yeah, I can go with those long-term adjustments that I really want to, as opposed to during like a normal season, I would, you know, you're, you're trying to just make yourself feel good every, every day before you step in the box or behind the dish. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so is there anything I, yeah. long play wise that, that maybe specifically you're, you're trying to improve on or work on right now? Yeah. So I think uh, a lot of that has come with, um, just when I got here, you know, just being able to see pitching, you know, see guys who can do a lot of different things on the mound. And then from a, a hitting standpoint, just trying to see, okay, what do I want to do off of that? Like, how am I going to be able to hit at this level and make adjustments? And what's like, what are those, what are they, those going to look like? So I think. For me, it was, you know, kind of talking with a bunch of the hitting coaches and catching guys and saying, okay, this is like what we need to do right now. 
And I want to make sure that by the end of this thing, I am feeling good about where I'm at um, on these adjustments. And so we've honestly, we've really been taking time, not as much during the sim games, but during VP, during the extra hitting work to just try and solidify uh, those different adjustments, um, which has been, which has been money. And, you know, I, during this time too, you have the opportunity to get stronger and lift. Uh, whereas during a normal season, you're just trying to maintain that strength. So I, it is it is a good development opportunity. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, more broadly, what's the process of being a pro been like for you? I know you you know you, you've you've got friends like a Nick Madrigal who you regularly talk to about these sorts of things as you approach them who can give you an idea of what to expect at certain stages, but it's not going to be the same for everybody. So, you know, this was your, this, this was your first spring as a pro until it, it got disrupted and we're, we're dealing with the, the atypical season that we have. But at that point, you know, it was, it was fairly normal, right? You go into your first full year as a professional, you're doing the spring training thing. Um, what's the adjustment been like overall, including last summer? Um, yeah, I, I think last year, last year really gave a, a better look into what the season was going to look like. But, um, uh, you know, to me, the biggest difference I've seen between college and pro is just the, the day to day, um, getting your body ready to play a game. You know, you're playing six, seven games a week as opposed to, you know, three to four. And so just like trying to find ways to, you know, help your body recover when you got long bus rides, you're on a getaway day or you're catching multiple days in a row. Um, and so I think the, you know, going to the uh, big league spring training, being able to talk to those guys was, was huge for me because I got to kind of hear their, their process, how they went about their day to day. Cause they've been, you know, doing it for a couple of years now. Um, but like going into last year from college season, you're kind of just on your own. You're, you know, you don't really know what you're doing. Um, it can, you know, it can kind of be daunting from that standpoint. You're like, gosh, how do I get my body ready to play every single day, you know, back to back? Um, so that to me, that was, that was the biggest difference. No, you bring up something interesting. Uh, I'm curious what the, the psychology of this is because. You know, everybody's personality is different. Not everyone's going to be as comfortable in certain situations as others. But you, you're a this this super young first overall pick going to spring training, and I, I would imagine, just like any other scenario, you're trying to to soak up as much as you can and learn as much as you can. But where did was the line in your mind of like I, I don't I don't want to be a, a bother to these people just just from a strictly psychological standpoint right because that 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 that's in play for anybody in almost any situation where you know you did you find yourself maybe like holding back on on asking questions of a a, a big league veteran who's who's there and it's sort of it's it's like a, just another ho-hum spring for them yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely didn't want to like pester anyone. Um, you know, my goal was just kind of, you know, be there, especially for like the bullpens and stuff. I, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to tell guys 
you know, come out hot, tell guys, oh, you need to be doing this or, or something <laughs> like that. Um, you know, those guys obviously know what they're doing. They're there for a reason. Um, same with like the, the catchers, uh, and, and probably more so just, you know, trying to do the work. Um, you know, most of the time they just kind of, if they saw something with me, they'd say it on their own. But, you know, we kind of got to that point, um, with, you know, the relationships, just kind of feeling out who, um, who, you know, who wanted to help out and who was, you know, who's doing their own thing. And I think, um, you know, it ended up good, but definitely in that first part, I wasn't trying to, uh, you know, step on anyone's toes or, um, you know, go out of my way to ask them what they thought or what I should be doing. But, um, a lot of them just helped out on their own and it, it was really helpful. So. Uh, well, that's good to hear. Let, let's go back to your time at Oregon State. Um, I'm curious after doing a little bit of reading up on, on you and your family, as a matter of fact, uh, what the recruiting process was like for you, because you were from what, like an hour down the road from Oregon state. Um, you were a football player as well. And you didn't correct me if I'm wrong here. You didn't really, there's sort of a, a typical circuit for high school baseball players. And it includes you know, showcases and just sort of this this specialization where there are are guys who do it while being multi sport athletes, sure, but it does it didn't seem to me that you were were going to all, all these you know you pay to play showcases and that sort of thing, and and yet there you are, you're a draft pick to the Mariners out of high school, and you're still able to play football. Um, to what degree did you narrow down just baseball uh, it, during that time in your life, or, or were you sort of open to both until you got to Oregon State and and then eventually realized, okay, w- one over the other is going to be more beneficial? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's uh, that's tough, but I think. So I, I went to the Tournament of Stars uh, growing up. That was like the USA thing. And I went to Area Codes. But as far as like other showcases, I really didn't do a lot of them. And for me, um, you know, I, I think it was a lot because, you know, I had football going on yeah. and, and basketball. Um, and then, um, you know, I, I always felt like it was important to just, you know, be as athletic as possible, be able to, you know, move in different ways. And I think, you know, football, basketball, um, it, you know, just being able to do those different movements really would help in the long run. And for me, baseball, baseball always took the priority if there's any, like any conflicts or whatnot. Um, and I knew eventually I was going to have to just, you know, I wanted to just go to baseball. Yeah. Um, I didn't think I was going to go to college to, to play football that first year, but <laughs> I got a call in july before the season they said hey do you want to try out for the team and i was like you know what sure we'll we'll try it um okay but, so that's how that works so you, you had already yeah. so you at by at that point in time you were going to oregon state solely to play baseball nothing else and then you just get a call to try out i assume just a kicker or or was it an open invite for any other positions no no they're like <laughs> I basically got a call and they're like, Hey, so, uh, we know you're coming here for baseball. Um, we saw you once in high school. Uh, you know, you got a leg. 
And um, would you like to try out for our kickoff spot? Uh, we need a guy who can, you know, kick it far. And I was like, I mean, sure, I, I'll do it. So I came out to Bend the first part of August. And um, I think, yeah, then second week I was starting at the you know kickoff spot. And that's kind of how it went for the rest of the year. Um, but then, I, I don't know, it, it was one of those things when you, you know, when I had time after the football season, and I really started getting into baseball and I was just doing baseball. I was like, you know what, if I'm going to be the best I can, I got to really, you know, devote myself to just one sport. Cause the fall for me was crazy. I was going, you know, 8 a.m. to noon football practice, lunch, and then one o'clock to five o'clock baseball practice. Yeah. So there wasn't a whole lot of time for anything else. And, um, you know, but my freshman year, you're like, oh, I guess this is just how it is. You you don't know anything different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you're like, oh, this must be just a normal schedule. But then, as you have time after the season, you're like, geez, that was that was a lot. Like, I don't know if I can do that. And obviously, baseball is the sport that I wanted to do long term. And if I was gonna, if I was if I was gonna look back and have no regrets and say I did all I could to be the best baseball player I could be. Um, you know, something had to go. So, yeah, and, and well, I can I can testify to the two sport. I, I wasn't a two sport athlete, but I went to a, a smaller Division three school where you have a lot of those guys. So, a lot of my teammates were, in fact, football and baseball guys, and they just were stretched mm -hmm. incredibly thin. Um, and it's not necessarily the way you want you want to prioritize uh things if if you've got higher aspirations in in one sport or the other and i know you you sort of have an, a window into that that lifestyle with with your uh grandfather coaching at at linfield and because that's a, a mm -hmm. d3 now i think right because it, it was formerly naia um but anyways yeah. yeah that's that's funny to hear you you say those things so i i couldn't help but notice when i was looking at your career as as oregon state kicker you recorded three tackles in your career adley one of which yeah. <laughs> was taking down then Stanford star Christian McCaffrey, who's, of course, now with the Carolina Panthers in the NFL. Do you remember anything specific about that or was it just another of many nondescript football plays? No, I, I definitely remember it um, very vividly, too, because um, I, I, I don't know. I, as a kicker, um, I didn't get enough action. You know, I was always used to in high school, you know, playing outside linebacker and, and running back. And, um, that was another thing too, is just being just a kicker really didn't, you know, do it for me, I guess. <laughs> uh, from that, from that standpoint, it, it didn't make our, our head baseball coach happy. He was always like, he would tell me after the games, he's like, you just sit back there. He's like, you don't need to do it. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't get in on the tackle there. there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but. No, I remember on that play, we were always trying to kick away from, um, from Christian just because, you know, he's who he is. So we'd always try and kick away. But on that particular one, we kicked away from him and they did like a switch, um, you know, while I was approaching the ball. So kicked it to him. And I just remember, um, going down, making the tackle and he looked at me. He's like, uh, he's like, are you the kicker? And I'm like, yeah, he's like, he's like, damn. All right, <laughs> <laughs> and then that was it. So, um, but yeah, it was uh, 
yeah, it was funny. So that's incredible. So I, I would imagine now that I'm thinking about it, Christian McCaffrey, he didn't get run down by too many kickers, and it's not like it was this this epic chase between you and him right um it was sort of in a cluster and you just ended up being the one that brought him down but uh do you know if he had any idea like like you were just kind of there as as a a secondary to your baseball career like do you guys do you know know christian now or is that really the only interaction no no no, i i i I haven't very no i I don't know him at all yeah um and i don't think he knew that you know, I played baseball or anything. Sure. I, I don't think I was, I wasn't going to tell him that at the moment. Hey, like, this is <laughs> the only thing I do. Like, <laughs> yeah. but not a lot of time yeah. for that to get to know you, right? Yeah. No, no. But, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a, a cool moment from, from the, my freshman year. That's sure. funny. That's funny. Um, so I, I sort of put two jumbled two questions into one and, and we glossed over one part of it, but, um, I'll go back to it. Uh, the recruiting process. You talked about the the lack of certain showcase circuits because you wanted to diversify and and look. We, we've had enough multi sport athletes on this show, even to 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 be proponents of not specializing at that age and and that sort of thing. Because I think in, in your example and other examples, we've seen it play out enough to where it's like, okay, these are the 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 best athletes, right? The ones that don't corner themselves into a into a one specific sport um but with baseball what what was that like being recruited to the beavers just like an hour down the road did you see interest from from other schools um you know were you being recruited to play football maybe it, uh, at smaller schools what was what was all of that like um yeah so for me it uh it was kind of a weird process and a lot of people are surprised by this, but I was actually recruited um, first by, by a lot of schools as a pitcher. So I went to, um, I went to a prospect camp and I was, I threw off the mound and I think I was like 92, 93. And this was going into my junior year at like the summer between my sophomore and junior year. Okay. And that's kind of when, you know, teams, Start, or I guess uh, colleges started looking at me at, and it was as a pitcher. Uh, I think just because I had a good arm at the time. Um, but then it wasn't until my senior year of high school that Oregon State was like, hey, like we might try and have you catch too. So, um, yeah. So then, uh, yeah. So then basically I went to Oregon State and, and I caught. Um, and I threw a couple bullpens um, in the winter leading up and I had another bullpen scheduled after I had just caught the first, uh, three games of the season. And our head coach at that point said, yeah, this isn't going to work. We have to <laughs> shut you down. So, <laughs> so were you primarily a, a pitcher? It, it, not in high school, right? I mean, you, you probably did pitch, but that wasn't your, your primary thing you didn't go to oregon state thinking you were going to be a pitcher or am i am i wrong in that so yeah i mean honestly like at that point like my sophomore year of or i guess junior of high school no one was talking about me as as a hitter i guess so i was like oh i guess i'm just going to be a po but then you know i as i got better at hitting um i was hoping to be a hitter and 
and maybe close on the mound or something. Cause that's what I did in high school. Uh, my senior year, I would, you know, come in and close maybe once or twice a week. Um, which is probably not good for my arm, but, um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I wanted to be like, I guess, Buster Posey, you know, when yeah, he was yep. at Florida State and he would, you know, come in and close and catch. So that to me, that was like the, the coolest thing, you know, just to be able to do it all, I guess. Yeah. And, and this is a, a funny comparison too. Now that you're, you're with the Orioles, Matt Wieters at Georgia Tech was the same way. He was their yeah. catcher until he came in to close in the, the late innings. He, he's one of the, the first guys I remember doing that. But um, I, I imagine that's a tough question for you just because you think of yourself and especially back then when you were playing multiple sports, you just thought of yourself as as an, an athlete. Right. So I, I I didn't take you for someone who was going to really categorize yourself as one or the other. You're just you're just going to play. Right. And and however, uh, however, you can help the team, you're, you're going to do that. Um you were drafted in the 40th round to the Mariners out of high school. That was your 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 team then, right? Like you rooted for the Mariners growing up because you were you were relatively close by. Yeah, yeah, it was the Northwest team, yeah. and uh, yeah, obviously. So, mm-hmm. so um, that's a a pretty a a big turnaround to eventually be taken first overall. And I mean, you know that, right? Forty rounds differences. Mm-hmm insane from from that it's not super uncommon for a guy to get picked coming out of high school and then be a higher pick out of college but uh i'm curious for your perspective here what part of your game improved the most between being taken 40th overall out of high school and then being taken first overall golden spikes award winner etc at oregon state yeah yeah so i think um, just from a catching standpoint, um, coming in, I was pretty raw. Um, and then, you know, that just the catching coaches we had at Oregon State, we had a bunch of ex pro guys, um, who were able to help out and just kind of, you know, I, I guess clean up my receiving and, and just, you know, I guess make me a more polished catcher. Uh, but I think definitely the separator was hitting, um, you know, my freshman year, I came in, I hit 234, I think. And then sophomore year, I came out and um, I, made, I made a bunch of adjustments from my freshman to sophomore year. And I think that's really what um, was the separator for me, uh, was making those adjustments that year. So. And, and you have plenty of these over the span of a career, I'm sure. But between freshman, sophomore year, in, in terms of hitting, was there a moment that sticks out in your mind that's like, okay, it, it's clicking now? Yeah. So after, after the season, uh, after my freshman season, I sat down, I talked with some of the hitting coaches and, um, basically just tried to start creating a better move, um, in my load and then, uh, creating a, and then hopefully having that lead to a better bat path with doing bat path drills. But the biggest part was the load. Um, and so I tried it all of summer ball. And it just was, it was tough, man. I hit, I hit like 150, uh, but I stuck with it. And I think when it really clicked for me, and I remember this vividly, it was that month of December, um, that winter break we had. And then I came back in January and it was, it was just, you know, it was clicking at that point. And I remember hitting during, you know, the live scrimmages. It was just, 
it, it felt easy. And, um, that's when I was like, okay, this is, this is what I've been working towards, but it was, it was probably like a six month process. Um, but yeah. Uh, so then you're 2018, 2019 in the college world series champions in 2018. Uh, of course you and, and, uh, teammate teammates like Nick Madrigal, who's a collegiate national team alum, uh, garner individual success. What was your favorite thing about your college career? Just as far as like a memory or sure. Um, I mean, a, a moment, uh, a, an element of it that's, you know, may, maybe not specifically a yeah. moment, whatever comes to mind. Yeah. I, I mean, the thing is, is like, that whole college world series yeah. was just unbelievable. I mean, I think ha- having lost the first game and having to go all the way back, um, and then losing the first game of the finals against Arkansas and then coming back and winning the next two. I mean, that, that whole sequence was just, I mean, just an unreal experience. We had a couple rain delays in there too. And, um, it all just added to the experience, man. But it's really the thing, the thing about college is just the fact that you get to spend nine months from September building this whole, building this team, you know, and just have it lead to those couple moments. And that's, that's the thing that really separates college baseball from anything else is having that. Be the first to own a USA Baseball neck buff from usabaseballshop.com. It's available featuring either the star logo or the traditional USA logo. The neck buff is made of lightweight stretch material for maximum comfort. Also, with the holidays just around the corner, if you haven't done so, visit usabaseballnews.com today and sign up for the USA Baseball Shop newsletter as we begin to kickstart all our holiday deals and products in the weeks ahead. So that is the USA Baseball Neck Buff, which you can order at usabaseballshop.com and sign up for reminders at usabaseballnews.com today. Now back to our conversation with Adley Rutschman. Yeah, and um, I would imagine that was a complete whirlwind because that's before... We got to know you and you came to the, the collegiate national team like midsummer. I, and correct me if I'm wrong, that was you came like straight from Omaha and met the team in Charlotte. You might have stopped at home first for a bit, but because um, you met you met the team in Charlotte midway through their you know sequence and it was in the middle of a series or maybe the first game in a series with japan i think it was the day before the fourth but i i remember sort of um you know from a broadcaster standpoint you're, you're getting word that certain people are going to be added on certain days and you had been on the roster as a training camp invitee um and so you show up that day and then all of a sudden Coach Palmineri is is pinch hitting you late in the game, and you just come up and hit this. I remember it was this double off the wall, maybe not straightaway center, but it was it was center of the field, and it was just like man, he he just came in. I'm sure he's exhausted because he just played in the College World Series and and like led was part of leading his team to victory, and just made that look look like such an easy at bat and off the off the barrel. Adley, I thought it was going to be gone in your first AB. Um, what do you remember about the sequence from craziness of College World Series 
into collegiate national team. And then you, you played in the Cape that same summer too, right? I got, I got invited to come back with Thomas, but, um, but I, I didn't end up playing there. Okay. That yeah. I, I did play the summer before, but, um, yeah, I just, I remember, you know, he had all the college world series stuff, kind of got a couple things at home and then, um, was back on the road. And I remember that day, if they're like, all right, you're just going to take some BP today and just kind of, you know, get accustomed to the setting and, you know, we'll hopefully have you play tomorrow. And then, uh, I just remember, <laughs> I remember, Hey, you good to bat right now? And, I was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> um, late in the inning. So, um, but yeah, no, that was, that was crazy. And then the next day we were at Durham, um, playing, playing in the 4th of July game. And that was a crazy game. We won, I think, one to zero. Man, you guys, um, yeah, it, there were so many like one run games, three to two, one yeah. to zero. Uh, there was a five to four in the Cuba series, I think, that I remember. Um, the pitching was was really good on those teams, and, mm-hmm. and I, I, we can talk about the staff too because you obviously, as a catcher, got a, a close look. But um, you 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 missed out on something I, I typically ask collegiate national team guys about is the the inter squad stuff in in the training camp session. So you know, a common question you might imagine is, all right, well, who did you see? Like, who did you face if you're a hitter or a pitcher? vice versa, that really wowed you. You were like, oh, man, okay. You know, maybe I had heard his name before, but he plays in a different conference and we hadn't played. So, um, a a different version of that would be once you were dropped into the team setting with the collegiate guys uh, to play in the Japan series, man, you were really thrown into a whirlwind. Did anybody stick out to you as, you know, this is a player I might might have heard of but never played against, and, and man, he's impressive. Um, well, I, I mean, Andrew Vaughn was one of those guys who, and Spencer Torkelson, who I had just, you know, played against in the Pac-12. Yeah. And, you know, we're obviously dudes, but I was excited to, you know, get to know him <laughs> a little better just because you have those limited interactions um, when you play against them, but just have an opportunity to play with them. Um, you know, I was really hoping to get to know those guys. And, um, but I mean, it was a really solid like team as far as like the, you know, just the quality of people that we had on the team. I was extremely impressed with how guys carried themselves. Um, you know, even younger guys like, like Max Meyer, he was, gosh, man, that dude was a stud when he, you know, pitched with us. Yeah. And it was a, you know, a very fun time catching him every time he stepped out on the mound because he closed like six of the 13 games or something, something ridiculous that we had. And um, I, I just remember every time he came in, it was like one, two, three, you know, strikeout, 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 whatever it was. But Oh, and um, at that point in the uh, summer, Adley, for, for a guy like Max to just like be sitting 98, 99 after, yeah. after playing a whole college season, that was unreal to me. I mean, it's obvious he was super young then. But it's so obvious that you know he was the the top five pick or whatever that he just turned into this this past summer. Yeah, um, that I totally yeah. get that. But we we actually we played against him in our super regional at home, and so we had, I just got done like facing him in you know at our place a couple weeks earlier, and um, and he was he was gross against us, and uh, I mean. 
we ended up beating him, but like it was like it wasn't until he got taken out that we scored some runs. So um, <laughs> it, that, that was a that was fun too to to bring up. So, um, but yeah, I mean, just a, a lot of good guys on that team, man. That's that that's a solid memory. So but, what what was it uh, like coming to the team and um, seeing Dominic Fletcher and? Matt Cronin yep. of Arkansas. What was yeah. it? How was that awkward? <laughs> um, no, I mean, <laughs> I didn't want to, I, I didn't know him well enough to, you know, say anything or, or whatnot. And obviously, um, you know, that was, I have probably a sore spot, definitely a sore spot for him. Um, but you know, I ended up catching Matt quite a bit and, um, you know, talking with Dom and, um, uh, you know, both of they were, they were both cool about it. And, um, obviously, uh, you know, nothing like personal at that point, sure. but, um, yeah, both, both really good guys. And, um, it, it was exciting to play with them at that point because, uh, they're both extremely good players. So, yeah. And by then you had seen it was either maybe like the first to joke about it and, and kind of break the ice. Um, I would imagine that's, that's part of that process, right? <laughs> you, you realize yeah, who they I mean, are. It's like, Oh yeah, well, we just, we just saw each other in Omaha. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they really joked about it. We did talk about it a little bit. Like they, he was like, yeah, you know, I was coming, like, I remember talking with Matt about it. He, you know, was saying how he had, you know, just pitched a ton and he was just going to throw, you know, basically all fastballs <laughs> that <laughs> last outing. He was just trying to get through it or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, not, not a lot of jokes about it per se. Yeah. Maybe t- too soon for their, for their case, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so one of my favorite parts and, and by all accounts, players' favorite parts of the collegiate national team experience is the international travel component. And you guys went to Cuba to play a series in Havana. Uh, what comes to mind first with the Cuba trip? Um, I mean, I think the stadium. Um, just I remember walking in day one and, um, you know, it was just kind of, it was kind of vintage. Um, you know, it was huge. Um, also, I mean, just the, the hotel we were staying at, the culture, um, we were able to walk around, um, you know, get food at different spots. And, um, it's just, it's so different, man. It's, it's eye opening and just to, you know, enjoy that with the different guys there. I know we had a couple, we had like a, a day rained out while we were there. It was just pouring, but we would come back after the game. And, you know, there'd be no one at the stadium, really, you know, very few fans, but apparently there would be, you know, like over a million people watching it on TV <laughs> and we had no idea. So that, that was crazy to hear just because that's what, you know, people would be at work or, um, or whatnot. But that was like, that was what people would do. They just watch baseball and they loved watching baseball. So they, you know, if we were at the hotel, they'd always talk about the, you know, the Cuba team and what was going on. Um, so it was just, you know, a wild experience from that standpoint. What were your first impressions of just culturally, not, not what you're talking about with the hotel and, and going to, to eat different places, but the baseball culture, right? Because now you've been through. You know, last summer you played in in rookie ball and 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 Aberdeen and 
um, a couple other places and, and you've sort of been exposed because once you're a pro, I mean, you play with a lot of different people mm-hmm. from, from different backgrounds, but just depending on, on where you play up until that point, I, you know, you see it on TV when you watch big league games and you're aware of it, but that, that's probably the first time you had really, really gotten to see live and in person, you know, Cuban baseball. It's, it's you know, that as purely associated with their culture of baseball as the national team is. So what, what were your impressions of, of the differences? And I mean, you know, seeing Japan in the series before that, feel free yeah. to compare. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's two different, completely different styles of baseball. You know, J- Japan, uh, they play small ball, they steal, um, their pitchers. It's, you know, all their pitchers throw hard, four seam, you know, up in the zone, splitters off of that, big curve balls. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's high velocity, high spin rate. Um, and that's just how they do it. It's very deliberate baseball. And then, um, you know, like Cuba, on the other hand, big swings, um, you know, guys, guys get the barrel out there, man. They, they hit some, hit some bombs, <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's just a, it's a completely different style of baseball. They're, you know, it's, they know how to, they definitely know how to field. They flash the leather and, you know, they have, they got big swings and they didn't, they didn't really bunt, didn't really steal. So it was kind of, you know, it was, it was two opposite ends of the spectrum for me, but, um, that's yeah, that's kind of why it was eye opening. I think at the same time, you talked about playing in the the tournament of stars, and and there's a there's a, a level of USA baseball. You're repping Team USA. There's a, a certain level of that to the tournament of stars, but playing for one of the national teams is is a step up. I would imagine. Yeah. Um. Just we talked about the the whirlwind of of those couple weeks. Isolate one moment for me, if you can, Adley. And it's, it, I, I don't know how this even happened. You getting all of your gear the same day that you arrive or, or something like that. Maybe, maybe you don't have much of a chance to stop and think about it. But at some point before that game with Japan, even though your impression was, all right, I'm just going to go take BP and this is a, a, an observed day for me. At some point before then, you're putting USA across your chest for the first time in that capacity. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Do you remember it? To me, I don't think it really it really sank in until the next day when it was the Fourth of July, and I was putting on the jersey, put on the you know pants, the arm sleeve, and we went out in the crowd, and you know everyone was you know it, you, there was just a different energy, man, that you could feel when you walked out. And, um, you know, and it's the 4th of July, man. I, I, to me, that's when it like it hit and just going through that game, I think, you know, and, and the way that it panned out, it was, it was movie-esque, just late inning. I think it was like the eighth or ninth, you know, Josh Jung hits a triple, scores me. Some, we had, uh, I think, we had, uh, we had Max Meyer close it out and then the fireworks after the game. And just to, I, I think just to have a moment like that where you're wearing the USA jersey representing your country against Japan on that, like on that stage in that moment at Durham. I mean, that's, 
you can't really beat a moment like that. And it's, and it's really tough to explain because it's, it's surreal, man. You give, it gives me the chills when I think about it, but, um, that's, that's definitely, that's definitely what it's about, man. That's, that's what it comes down to. It's cool to hear you describe it that way. Um, I, uh, not being a member of the team, have been able to participate in a handful of those July 4th games. And it's honestly, Adley, it's my favorite day of the year because of that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, whether it's in Durham, we've done the, the day of game on the 4th in Charlotte before, too. But uh, especially the, the few that have been at the Durham Bulls Athletic Park, the place is packed because obviously... There are fireworks afterward, right? And those those serve as the official fireworks of the the city of Durham most years. But you know, you get people who are are, are just combining the trip, and it's it's brilliant because it's the perfect outing for a, a July Fourth, right? You go watch Team USA, you see fireworks, everything that encompasses the Fourth, right? So it's this it's this massive crowd, and it's just always so much fun. Actually, having not been able to do that this summer was probably the biggest bummer of of 2020 um so it's cool really cool for me to hear you describe it that way um even if even if you can't you know feel like you can quite find the right words i i i get it right (laughs) um it it, that Mm -hmm. it makes sense to me that you you had a hard time sort of wrapping your your head around it um so that yeah that's that's really cool um well, tell me. I alluded to him earlier. T- tell me about your grandfather and and his influence on you as baseball and football coach, also a D at at Linfield College, um, which is the alma mater of our friend Scott Broches, who also played and and coached there, um, which we can get into because I would imagine there's a family tie there as well. But just talk to me about your grandfather and and what what he has meant to you. Yeah, man. Um... I mean, he's, he's probably the wisest guy that I know. Um, he's, he's the, he's the guy, you know, who, who told me to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And that's something that's always stuck with me and really pushed me to, to just go for new opportunities and, and make changes, reflect on, you know, myself and my life. And, um, and so he's, you know, he's probably been the, one of the biggest influences with him and my dad. Um, but, I don't know, just being around him, he's, he's got one of those energies that you can just tell he's one, he's a leader, kind of like him, uh, Pat Casey, uh, those guys, they just have a different presence when you're around them. And, you know, it's, it's that type of presence that, you know, demands, you know, their attention. And, um, so I've, I've, I've felt very fortunate to, you know, have him in my life and, um, you know, have him be so invested in my, in my career in my success because I can tell he gets so excited, you know, when I do something good and just the, the energy he has in his voice, um, is, is just, it's priceless, man. But, uh, he'll still, he'll still after games, you know, he'll, he'll grab my hands and he'll say, all right, here, I want you to try this with your swing now. And he'll have me put my hands together and, and just, you know, almost like flick my wrist, like it's <laughs> the ball is coming in. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's, uh, he's a coach, man. And it's, that's something that's never going to change, but, um, he, he's a great man. And, uh, yeah, he, 
I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing them when I get back. Um, but I didn't really have the chance to, uh, you know, because of the whole COVID stuff going on right yeah. now. So, but it's just, it's, it's been tough from that standpoint the past couple of months. But, um, you know, I'm hoping that this, you know, passes pretty soon and, uh, all the chance to, you know, talk with him more in person. But, um, I FaceTimed him and my dad the other day and they were, um, you know, they were out at, uh, the beach, uh, out in Oregon. So, um, yeah. Good stuff. Uh, you mentioned your dad. Your parents are both educators. What effect did mm-hmm. that have on you growing up? Uh, well, I'm good at math now because my mom's a math. So, um, but yeah, <laughs> that, that, you know, the, the thing about having parents as, as teachers is you have no room to slack off in school. And that's, so I had to get good grades in high school and in college. Um, but you know, it definitely helps having them as, uh, you know, my mom is math teacher. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, shoot, both of them are, are, are extremely humble individuals. Um, and I think, um, you know, just it's, it's a profession that's, that's tough right now because I see how a lot of kids are in, in high school and, you know, in middle school and, you know, how they, you know, treat teachers and, and whatnot. And just, it's a tough profession, man, you know, cause it's something that not a lot of people want to do. And it's, you know, you have a bunch of kids who don't really want to be there and you have to teach them the things that they don't want to learn about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I, I, um, I don't envy them. I respect them uh, greatly right now. Um, just because I, I don't know what it's like in Oregon, if, if, you know, it's all online learning or, or maybe back and forth between classrooms and, and whatnot. But no matter how a school is doing it right now, because of, of COVID-19 concerns, man, it is not an easy job. So, uh, you, you'll have to make sure they get my kudos, um, <laughs> after we're done talking here, because, um, that's my again respect. I don't envy those jobs right now because they're really difficult. But um, uh, a lot of respect for them for sure. Uh, so, did you have each of your parents as one of like your teachers, like teaching your class? No, no. Fortunately, they uh, they taught at a, a school down the road. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, they they taught at Tiger, and I went to Sherwood. So. Um, that was that definitely made it a lot easier on me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I read that you you mentioned Cal Ripken Jr. as your your all time favorite Oriole shortly after being drafted by the organization. Uh, have you gotten the chance to to meet and interact with Cal? Um, I actually haven't. Um, no, I, I I haven't. Um, he uh, he came out to one of our games at Aberdeen. Um, but you know, the, he's, he's a busy man yeah. and, you know, he had, he had a lot of stuff going on. So, um, I didn't get a chance to meet him, but, um, definitely, a, definitely a, a cool individual. So what do you, what do you think of when you, because I'm imagining you in your early twenties, I'm, I'm 30 years old, Adley. And I remember Cal's playing career, uh, toward the tail end of it. Right is sort of when I saw it, almost like in the same way that I saw, I got enough of Michael Jordan's career as a as a spectator to to sort of understand that impact. Um, 
but wasn't there for for the beginning of his career. So Cal, to me, I think of him, and it's ironic because we're recording this on the anniversary of the day he broke the consecutive games played record. So it's it's t- twenty five years ago, I think. Today is the the twenty one thirty one consecutive games. Obviously, I think of him, and I think of that, and I think of his last All Star game, which I watched. Um, with my brothers and, and he he homered in that what comes to mind when you think of cal ripkin jr yeah man i i mean just <laughs> that's a lot of a lot of grit man a lot of tenacity to be able to, to be able to play that many games and i i mean that's one of those records probably never going to get broken yeah um just with how the game's played now and um so i mean it's and and from what i've heard um just the way that he treated fans too. He was, you know, one of those guys who'd sign, you know, late after the game, um, you know, was a, a true, you know, a great representation of, of the game of baseball and how it should be played. So to me, that's one of those things that I admire more than just like the talent, um, because that's really what it's about is making a, you know, bigger impact, um, on the world. So, uh, just, you know, seeing a guy like that is, to me something to to look up to uh let's finish up with two off the field topics okay uh i saw like within the last week uh, a video of your golf swing at a top golf and i believe you or someone else posted this on tiktok and you mashed that thing is that like do you do you play a lot of golf (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I All right. Because golf, otherwise, so. that would be that you realize, Adley, that would be abnormal for you to crush. I mean, you're athletic, so it would be understandable, but uh, it just looked too like too good of a swing to be somebody who's just messing around at Top Golf and and is just hacking. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, <laughs> um, I've I've seen enough of my friends play to to know that. It's not something you can just pick up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, okay, cool. Um, so obviously you, you're you're in the middle of a, a season, albeit an odd one right now. So you probably haven't played a ton lately. But um, something that did you pick it up as like a teenager? When did you start playing golf? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I started as a kid. Uh, my mom played golf for a year at Pepperdine. Her dad was a big golfer. So, and then she was a golf coach at Tiger High School. So, um, yeah, so she, she taught me growing up and kind of taught me the fundamentals of it and, and just like the etiquette. So I've been, I, I try to play as much as I can during the off season and during quarantine. Um, that was one of the only activities that you could really do. Yeah. So, <laughs> I hear that. Um, I, uh, I've become a much more frequent golfer myself just in the past few months. It's, yeah. it's, it's the most consistently I've ever played. And it's, you know, I'm seeing progress for the first time ever. And it's like, Oh, geez, I need, I need to find more to do. Uh, this needs to end up <laughs> quickly, but, uh, but it's good. Yeah. It's, it's nice. I mean, you know, as, as somebody who, uh, is an athlete and, and likes to continually use, day by day getting better um you know it's it's a good feeling just like it it was when i was playing sports in an organized manner and and that sort of thing um so la- last thing for you i know you to be a movie buff and i know your dad is as well because i i think that came up when we were in omaha maybe for the golden spikes award 
stuff, mm-hmm. um, if I'm remembering correctly. I've yeah. I've seen you yeah, mention you <laughs> I've seen you mention Shawshank Redemption as your your favorite movie. Is that is that true? Is that still true? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. That's uh yeah, it's a, the feel good movie yeah. for me. <laughs> yeah. And it's I mean kind a, of. a classic. Kind you of. can't you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. I think it's a, a very solid favorite movie pick. Um what's the best movie you've seen recently? Oh shoot. Like new movie? Uh sure. I mean it could be new to you, right? Yeah, I mean, oh gosh. Um, I mean, it's it's been kind of disappointing, you know, that nothing super news come out yeah. recently. Um, but shoot, man. Um, oh gosh. Um, I don't know. I mean, do you, do you got anything here? What, got any what was the last movie out? you saw in a theater? In a oh gosh, in a theater. Um, I think it was the Joker. Okay, Joker movie. Yeah. What did you think of of Joaquin Phoenix's version? I mean, it was powerful, man. That was a, I mean, a, a great performance overall. I thought I, at the beginning of the movie, I thought it was moving pretty slow, but then you just kind of get more invested as it goes along, and um, you know, I, it was a it was a good movie. Uh, for sure. Yeah, you, um, I'm, I'm looking I'm, forward to that new one. Yeah, uh, go have, ahead. Have you seen the trailer for that for that one uh, Tenet movie? Yes, coming yeah. out. Yep, I've I've seen yeah. that. Um, I, I, that that one excites me. I'm curious as far as the Joker is concerned. I assume you've seen The Dark Knight and and are aware of Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker in that one. Yeah. Okay. How do I you mean, how do you compare the two? Uh, I mean, uh, to me, The Dark Knight's one of those movies that I can watch, you know, once every two months if yeah. I if I wanted to. So, I mean, it's they're they're two completely different movies, but I'm I'm kind of like a superhero, um, you know, movie kind of guy. Okay. So, and and Heath Ledger's performance in that is, you know, almost unbeatable. Good. In my okay. Opinion. All right. All right. I don't I don't want to interject too much of of my personal opinion of the two. But I'm glad to oh, hear yeah. you say you prefer the Heath I wanna, Ledger. I want to hear it. <laughs> I want to hear it. I, well, I just think it, I, for me, the superhero movie thing, I, although I enjoy them, I think it's it's like a, it's a really diluted market and it just turns out to be a, a lot of a lot of rehashed ideas. For instance, yeah. I mean, like how many Spider-Mans have we had? And, and they're all different actors portraying yeah. spider-man they've had to redux that like a million times and i don't even know that any of them are are phenomenal right i liked into the spider-verse but um so with so with the joker i i respect joaquin phoenix and and respect his performance but to me once heath ledger did it no one else needed to do it um you, mm. you, you didn't really need to cast the joker ever again and they've been since then, you know, Joaquin did it and Jared Leto did it. So, uh, but anyways, no, we, we don't need to get too far down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, I saw Uncut Gems in, in the theater. Oh, and that was the last, last one I saw in a theater. And I don't know when I'll ever see another movie in a theater is, uh, again, that is. Um, so, but I, I liked Uncut Gems. I thought it got, it got, uh, it got snubbed of some some Oscar nominations, but um, 
I don't know. So you saw that one? I did. I did. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think I saw I saw Uncut Gems and I saw um, the last uh, Star Wars movie um, in theaters. I okay. think that was this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right, but, right. No, Uncut Gems, man. <laughs> that was. Uh, I wanted to see Adam Sandler get an Oscar just for the pure enjoyment, like of him getting an Oscar. Yeah. Just to see Adam Sandler, because to me that's like that's something you would never think would happen yeah um and to be fair man i thought it was the performance of a lifetime for him and just i put i put more stock into performances like that like you don't view it as just his job acting in the one film if he had a role in devising the other characters and and just the the film Mm -hmm. as a whole right so it more goes into it and i enjoyed it it was it was nerve-wracking and i don't think i've ever like been shaking and sweating as much when I walked out of the theater for an, an, another movie in my life, but I really enjoyed it and thought it was well done. It was. Yes, it was. It was really good. <laughs> um, well, that's yeah. good. That's good stuff, man. Movies right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Maybe you can um, go like pod, get some popcorn and, and sort of simulate the environment for yourself. Turn down the lights, turn on a movie. Um, I, yeah. I don't know how you, how you, how you fix that. Uh, I'm trying to figure it out myself, right? Like you just binge things on Netflix and, uh, try, try yeah. to fill the void. I miss the movies too, but, um, no, that was a good, good, good tangent there, man. I appreciate you, you talking movies with me for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, man. I could go on for, for a while, man. Movies are, movies are my thing. <laughs> um, well, good stuff. Really do appreciate the time here on uh, the official podcast of USA Baseball. A lot of fun. Look, we're obviously proud to have you as an USAB alum. Really, really looking forward to whenever it comes, the day that you get into the lineup at the major league level with the Orioles. Uh, it's a good young core, I think, and you're just the start of it. Um, you know, We saw Ryan Mountcastle earlier this uh this season really make his impact and he's still doing i think he homered yesterday as we're recording this on september 6th but um yeah uh, uh, continued success man well wishes from us at usa baseball we know good things are ahead and we can't wait to see them i appreciate it thank you very much that does it for this edition of covering the bases the official podcast of usa baseball my thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Adley for affording us the time. A reminder, please rate and review the podcast wherever you get it. That's via Apple, Spotify, Google, YouTube. However, it's quick, easy, and helps others see what we're doing so we can have even more listeners and continue doing it. But until next time, stay safe, and we'll catch you later. <laughs>